Welcome back to the Exit Velo podcast. I'm Adam Cohen, and I'm joined tonight by my good friends and fellow co-hosts and Maxwell Rundy and Henry Winkelhake. Fellas, it's good to see you. I know we had a couple-week hiatus, and Henry also know that you got married recently, so congratulations once again. I appreciate it. It's crazy. I haven't been on the show since that actually happened, and it's almost been a month now, so I'm, I'm running on even longer since I've been on Exit Velo, but good to be back. Uh, even better to be married, I must say. A great feeling, but happy to be talking baseball once again. No doubt. Very exciting time for baseball. Yeah, it really is, and especially with some notable accolades this week for Miguel Cabrera. He was able to become the 28th player ever in Major League history to reach 500 homers. And guys, we've seen Miguel Cabrera play in Major League Baseball for quite a long period of time. For me and Matt Swell, it's pretty much been our almost our entire lives over here. So it's very well-deserved, and obviously I'm sure we're all happy that he reached that threshold. Yeah, I really struggle to remember a time in which he wasn't on the Tigers, so I'll always have him in that Tigers uniform. But a couple stats that I heard from a different podcast that I just – I love these kind of like crazy weird stats just because so few people have ever done them. But Miggy joins a list of – two different lists where he's the fifth player to ever do so. A player hit 500 home runs and have a career batting average over 310 – as well as a player reach 500 home runs and have two batting titles. Very elite company, to say the least. Absolutely. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when his time comes, when he does retire. And I, I got to say, Adam, took a bit of a, a dig at me there. I'm not that old. Uh, Miggy's hasn't been around for you know that long. It's 2003 was his rookie season. Uh, so, I mean, I guess most of my life. I was born in 96, mind you. But – I can, I can remember Miggy as a Marlin, so I, I guess I have that on you all. I'm a little bit older. Uh, one of my favorite moments for Miggy in his career was the 2003 World Series, in fact. I don't really remember that, but like seeing highlights of Roger Clemens throwing in at his head, and then Miggy, of course, later takes him deep in the at-bat for a two-run blast against the Yankees. I love it. Nah, certain people may not love it quite as much, but Miggy Cabrera, great career. Also has 2,958 hits, so look for him to stick around a bit longer, get the 3,000 there. And it is interesting with him because I believe he has vesting options or options on his contract until the 2023 season. Afterwards, he has a couple more options if the Tigers want to pick him up, but it'll be interesting to see because the Tigers are getting a little bit better. They're actually relatively close to 500, not too many games underneath that plateau where they want to get to. But it just seems like how important Cabrera is to the franchise. He'll probably ride out until 2023, and he'll probably reach that 3,000 hit mark, and he'll just become the 33rd player of all time when he does so. Yeah, Miggy actually signed an eight-year extension worth, I think it was $288 million in 2016. And he still owed half that. It's not worth that. But Yuck. he is he's just he's nostalgic. He's just brings out the best in baseball whenever you watch him. And it's he's sadly trending down the Albert Pujols trend right now. But I figure he'll he'll run it out. He might end up getting a little bit of a Chris Davis deal in the last year and just retire. I hope he stays with the Tigers forever. I I'll never forget him not as a Tiger. His triple crown season was probably one of the more memorable baseball seasons in my life, I would say. 
And it was just sad he could never win it in Detroit, but he already had it when he was a rookie. Yeah, he did get that that World Series bling taken care of young, but one of the very best hitters in the game for the better part of a decade, if not longer. Amazing, amazing career. I am glad you brought up the contract, Maxwell, because that has been a bit of a sore spot on his legacy here at the end, but ultimately still a Hall of Famer. He gave you so much protection over the lifetime of his career. Uh, but yeah, still a little bit of Miggy left to see, and the Tigers haven't been as terrible as we thought they may be this year, as was mentioned. They're not as far under 500 as some other teams around the league. Uh, just a couple of guys I want to mention, too, who are creeping up on the 500 club, potentially. Nelson Cruz has 443. He is 41 years old, maybe a couple more years. Stanton has 332. He's only 31, so you think he should get that if he's healthy, right? And then uh, Trout has 310. He's only 30. And Harper has 235. He's 28. It's great that you mentioned that, Henry, because on MLB.com and various forms of MLB's social media, they were kind of saying, who will be next on the 500 homer list? And all the players you mentioned, I have to believe they will reach 500 homers. They also include a couple other players in the list, such as Juan Soto, Ronald Cunha Jr., even Manny Machado. I think with Acuna... And possibly even Soda, I think those two can reach the thresh. I'm not sure about Machado. And I do hope that Cruz is, of course, able to stick around the majors long enough to reach that mark. The issue with Cruz is I, I just don't see – and I know people have been saying this for four years now, and he just comes out and is the best DH in baseball. He's truly just a DH. It's, it's shocking the Rays even own this guy. because well, Now he's a first Rays, baseman for the Rays. Yeah. The Rays love playing everyone at first because we got that guy from Cleveland and played him at first like his second game and he's never played there in his whole career. Like, it's just so anti-Rays. So I, if he does stick around, it's probably not going to be with us, sadly. But he he should be able to get that in two years. Whether he wants to play to 43, not sure. And I mean, even though uh, still, even he's still productive, still playing at that age, sticking around uh, in Tampa Bay, the issue could be contract. He will actually cost something next season. Always a factor there for the Rays too. But I think he can keep heading for a couple more years. So hopefully he gets to that 500 threshold. But moving on in the show, I think we've got another old guy to talk about. Yeah, Yadier Molina. He announced his retirement after the 2022 season. Another legend in the game. And it's pretty sad to see because we're really seeing the last wits of Pujols, Molina, and Cabrera, which is hard to believe because all three of us, and I'm including you this time around, Henry, have grown go. up watching all three of those players dominate the game of baseball. With Yachty, he's definitely started to climb. He's had a pretty good 2021 season for him. And what I'm kind of wishing that would happen, I don't think it will because of how well Wainwright has been doing this season but imagine those two players both retiring at the same time, Carlos uniform after 2022. Henry, I want to hear you go first because I saw your note and I just, I want to hear your argument. Well, yeah, basically the gist of my note is I don't have many great things to say about Yadier Molina. I do tend to believe that he is a bit overrated by the baseball community as a whole and by himself, certainly, which, I mean, you love the confidence, but I think it's, ridiculous to put him in like the best of all time at the position conversation. He's not even top 20 in war as a catcher all time. And he's played pretty much like an old style catcher every day. I've said enough mean things about Yadi Molina though. I mean, he has had a great career, even to be close to the top 20 in war at the position and the long history of baseball. 
he still is a pretty productive hitter at his age and still kind of is that old style style guy you can count on to play every day. And of course, the defense uh, is something that I think he was really, really good at early in his career. And I think he got a couple more gold gloves than he should have because of his reputation. That happens with a lot of guys. That's not like solely a Yachty problem and obviously still a good defender. I just don't know if he's like the best defensive catcher of all time. But he has four platinum gold gloves or platinum gloves. Like this guy is the definition of durable and dependent. You put him back there, he's going to literally make your pitcher better. And I, I love Yachty. I big Brewers or not big Brewers, but my grandpa was a Cubs fan. My dad was a Brewers fan. We had a lot of NL Central talks throughout the years. And every time I watched the Cardinals. Yachty was the best thing to watch, whether he was defense or even he's got that old-timey hitting, too. He's just a little slap hitter the opposite way, and it works. And I just – I can see why he's overrated because you're sort of making an argument like I would make to Kevin Kiermeyer, but I, I just think his career is just so crazy. He's clearly going in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I, I think it would be ridiculous not to include him. I would even argue that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, too. And, Henry, I know what you're getting at the war perspective. I actually just recently watched a podcast or actually a YouTube video on Foolish Baseball. If you guys haven't heard about that or fans who are tuning in, you have to check it out. It goes really into data analytics and baseball analytics, too, about players and uh, just their background. They had one, Yadi Molina. And the war that you're looking at is from baseball reference. It doesn't include framing into the mix. If you look at fan graphs, it does and it ranks him pretty much like tenfold time as a catcher. So when you include that framing ability, when you include that arm strength, and of course the four platinum gloves that Maxwell mentioned, I think he has to be at least one of the better defenders of all time. You kind of just stoned me with that point, Adam. You got That was a gotcha moment, and I, I have been gotten, uh, but I, I can settle with somewhere between 10 and 20 all time. I think that's reasonable. It's still... Not the not in the goat conversation per mm. se, but that that raises the stock a little bit. And that's that's good points. He is tremendous framer, great cannon of an arm, uh, especially to be able to do that for as long as he has been able to. Tremendously impressive, great career. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I got to agree. Certainly a Hall of Famer. I don't know if I'm sold first ballot. He probably will end up being first ballot. I don't know if I would make him the first ballot Hall of Famer, but then. That's kind of weird, too, because then you're like voting against him being in the Hall of Fame this time. But I think he is a Hall of Famer, so maybe he should be first ballot. Who knows? I I think I'll say one thing about uh, a Javier or a Yachty moment is the Javier Baez World Baseball Classic game. And I realize that's more Baez's fancy move, but it's just the the way him and and. Uh, Miggy, these guys just bring something out in me, at least, because I was a kid growing up watching all this stuff. It's just, it's unparalleled, I would say. Bring something out in each other, too. Like, they just look like they're having so much fun playing together. And you get to see Javi and Lindor uh, do that to now in New York, Puerto Rican teammates, where we saw Yachty and, and Baez link up for that highlight throw. Just guys who enjoy being on the same team and just see fun things happen when they're around each other. I would even make the case that when we saw baseball fans as a whole, that's who I mean by we, when we saw Team Puerto Rico play in the World Baseball Classic, it kind of brought out the baseball fan in all of us, I would say, because a lot of their crowd, which includes Baez and Lindor and Yachty, of course, they are 
making baseball fun again. They're guys who play with a lot more energy than various more of their counterparts. So it's going to be very tough to see Yachty go because he is a definition old school catcher. He has been in more fights than at least the three of us combined. And many other major league baseball players for that matter too. And then you look at Cabrera, like he's just the most down to earth player you ever seen. He just is always smiling. He's always a prankster and he's done wonders for both the Marlins and the Tigers. And it's just been also a great week for baseball too. And kind of a great time to go back on the podcast because we have a lot of things to talk about. We have a lot of streets to talk about too. The Yankees, for example, as I'm trying to transition transition here, the Yankees are on 11 game winning streak, which feels pretty great. But we also have seen some other, other streets going on. The Orioles just snapped a 19 game losing streak the other day. And the Braves and Dodgers, <laughs> even this past week had a nine game winning streak too. So lots of hot and cold teams out there. Yeah. I think a big thing about this is it's just some teams coming to finally playing like they should. I mean, you got the Yankees and Dodgers, the teams that are spending everything and more and they're not winning their division and they weren't necessarily close for a while either. And now they're finally heating up. You see the Yankees, all these Bronx bombers, big boy lineups that they got. They're finally average. They, they're now averaging what eight runs a game in their last 26 games. Like that's a lot of runs and their OPS is 822 in their last five. Like when you have that big of a team and that tiny of a stadium, you got to finally <laughs> hope for something offensively and they're getting it. But the bigger turnaround for the Yankees specifically is their pitching's not terrible. It's pretty mediocre, but that's all they need when they score eight runs a night. And the Dodgers, I, I'm, I'm very tired of the Dodgers. As a Rays fan, I, I, it's horrible. They're spending 200 million more than us, basically. Like, it's just, they, they have to win. I just don't know how they won't. The whole roster, top to bottom, is studded. Definitely an amazing team. We've seen those kind of super teams that we thought going into the season would be the juggernauts really kind of come into that in the second half. The Yankees especially flipped the switch. I know the Dodgers turning it on as of late, but the Yankees had their struggles and have surged with that 11-game win streak now uh, up into the playoff picture when people were maybe questioning, what are they doing at the trade line, making these moves, buying? We're kind of out of this, but not the case at all. They needed a big win streak, and they got it done, and they really haven't even gotten much from your Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo acquisitions yet. I mean, it's been the guys who've been around all along. Luke Voigt starting to swing a hot bat. If they can find a way to get him and Rizzo in the lineup together, still have those other big boppers and Gallo, Judge, Stanton, get Sanchez, that could be a very, very dangerous lineup, as we know. And, yeah, I do think the pitching could be just good enough to get by. That bullpen has to be better. I think Chapman's going to figure it out eventually. Uh, but the Dodgers, too, just, you know, becoming the team that we knew they were going to be all along. And this is even without Trevor Bowers out. Kershaw is out currently right now. Mookie Betts has missed time over the last few weeks. It's They've overcome some adversity to get there and just looking dominant all the way. Uh, and we got those other streaks. The Orioles are terrible. That's really all there is to say about that. And then no hope really on the horizon there. Uh, 
The Braves, I, I I don't know. They're starting to turn around. Sorry, I'm trying to cover a lot in one segment here. But, yeah, Ozzie Albies, Freddie Freeman have been looking great for them. Charlie Morton really leading the way with that rotation. Uh, Atlanta suddenly starting to run away with that division with the Mets fading hard. A lot to talk about with those teams, of course. With the Yankees, I'll just talk a little bit more about that because I'm just kind of giddy with happiness of how well they're doing. And I know you guys have been – a little bit hard on their pitching staff, but it's been the rotation that's really been carrying the team besides the offense, which they have been utilizing both Voight and Rizzo when Rizzo was off now off the COVID IL. So they have pretty much Voight at DH, Rizzo at first, and now they're playing Stanton in the outfield. And lo and behold, Stanton's been on a hot streak. The Yankee fans kind of need to learn at this point that Stanton's not going to be the guy who's going to hit 59 homers like he was his MVP season but he could still be someone who could have maybe 30 homers around 100 RBIs or at least an upper RBI total, and that's still great production. And then just moving on to some of the other streets too, the Braves were at 1.7 games out behind the Mets in first place. And this is kind of like poetic justice for the Braves because the game of the season, a lot of people thought they were the favorites. Picotta thought otherwise. They were correct for a while, and then – the Mets fell through. The Phillies had first place for a little bit, and the Braves just shot up. And I know that the guys who have been mostly contributing for them have mostly been pre-deadline, pre-trade deadline guys. But at the same time, just showing that this ball club wants to win, and they brought in players to do so and have the mentality that has to be huge. Without Acuna, that's the big thing. They traded for what? four or five outfielders just to replace one guy. Well, they, they ended up dropping or waving in CRT, but they, they did a lot of really random moves that most people were really against, but it worked. I mean, they're going to win this division. I'm pretty confident in that. The Phillies are just not that good, I think, but they have the pitching to do it. But they're I think the Braves are hitting-wise – Phenomenal. They're going to be, they're pushing to be one of the, what, the second team ever to have an entire infield with over 25 home runs. And if Albies can reach 30, because the others probably will reach 30, Albies is at 22 right now. If they reach 30, it'll be the first in, infield ever to do so with 30 each. As for the Brave, or yeah, at the Orioles, wow. Just, there's no way to even put it. They're just the worst team I've ever seen in my life. And they've kind of been that way for three full years now. And they'll probably be that way next year, if not the year after, too. Like <laughs> they embody tanking and never resurfacing. Like it's crazy. Buster only actually read the uh, tweeted this. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was the Orioles are on pace to lose 106 games this season. In their previous two seasons, it was 115 losses and 108 losses, and those were full seasons. This is just unprecedented in the AL history. When the Players Union cites non-competitive behavior, the Orioles will be Exhibit A. That's wild. They just reeled off a 17-game losing streak, and they're still not even at their loss pace for each of the last two seasons, and they're, what, like 45 games out of the division or something? It is ridiculous that is a well-oiled tank machine in baltimore for sure i mean they're not supposed to be winning ball games right now and i guess they're they're accomplishing that boosting that draft stock which 
as you said, Maxwell, three years, it's been like this, not really much dividends to show for it. It kind of questions, if, is that a viable strategy even now? Is that going to continue to be a viable strategy when the new CBA comes up and you're citing anti-competitiveness, looking at example A in Baltimore? It'll be something to keep an eye on for sure as we move forward. What does baseball do about tanking, do about the Baltimore Orioles of the world? I didn't even realize when you were talking about the Phillies that they're in second place in that NL East run now. I was still thinking about the Mets. They've been fading even harder than I thought. And I don't really like Philadelphia to catch up to Atlanta either. Uh, I mean, Zach Wheeler had been phenomenal for them, but he hasn't really looked like himself the past couple starts either. Uh, Bryce Harper has been swinging a hot bat for them. Maybe he can carry them, but Reese Hoskins just went on the IL today too. So another uh, impairment for that offense, but Ultimately, I would expect Atlanta to end up holding on to that division and got a question if, if the Yankees can stay hot and go ahead and take that AL East, get out of the wild card game. I don't really think they can win, and I will give the nod to Maxwell here. And I kind of say the same thing with the Dodgers and Giants. And I know that division race is closer. The Do or the Giants, rather, are two and a half games over the Dodgers. The Yankees are four and a half game back behind the Rays. But I feel like if the Giants are going to fall through now, like Henry, you and I expected early in the season doing previews, they would have already done so, and they have not. And this is a team that is going to be in it the entire season, even though there's about 40 games left. So sure, the Dodgers can obviously come back. They're well within reach, but the Giants have been unrelenting. And I would be ecstatic if the Dodgers were able to get bounced in the wild card game, especially <laughs> after winning that World Series last year. I'll say this, the Giants are like just the stereotypical, we dominated all season and then boom, gone. That's what I think because their pitching staff is unbelievable. Like they have a 2-9 ERA in their last 25 games, which is pretty great, but 1-4-3 in their last five. And this is this has been their whole season for them. And it's not with very well-known guys. Kevin Gosman's a Cy Young candidate, I would argue. And it's just their offense is not that special. They're very middle of the pack in almost every category. I would not at all be surprised if either the pitching just cools off just a little bit or these bats completely disappear. And I just think – because you know it's going to be Dodgers-Giants in the uh, – what is it? Divisional round? Yeah, the divisional round. After they just destroy whoever's the second wild card in the uh, NL, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think the Giants will hold on. I think they'll hold on in the regular season. I don't think it, the playoffs. Will but if they don't, if they don't destroy that second wild card team, like Adam was saying, the Dodgers getting bounced in the wild card is the best case scenario, and that is officially the scenario that i am rooting for now i'm team giants all the way adam we did hate on them all season like we kept checking in like do we believe in the giants do we believe in the giants we kept saying no no not this week maybe a couple more weeks <laughs> it's a couple more weeks it's like the season is dwindling now the giants are for real i guess the pitching is literally unbelievable because not only gosman it's it's alex wood uh, anthony d sclafani Johnny Cueto to a lesser extent, but those other three have been crazy good resurgence projects for the Giants, but I'm not really buying it long-term that they're going to continue to be these aces. That could be something that comes back to bite them in the playoffs, but they've been able to scrape together runs all year with kind of a 
hodgepodge uh, offense where there's not really a whole lot of stars, but together just getting it done. So maybe San Francisco for real, a title contender. I mean, you certainly have to consider it at this point with how amazing the season has been. Just rooting for the Dodgers to get bounced in that wild card game now. That is that is awesome. That's what I'm looking forward to. Just looking at who the Dodgers or even the Giants could potentially play in that wild card game, it really seems like it's coming down to the Padres, the Reds, and possibly even the Cardinals at this point, who are just four games back of that second NL wild card spot. Personally, it seems like the Padres, they could hold out. They just seem like still a bit more of a sound team bot than the Reds. But you look at seasons from Sonny Gray, the second half resurgence in Luis Castillo, Joe, Joey Votto, if the Reds make the playoffs, who's to say that Votto should not win MVP? Maybe Tatis Jr. because he, even when he's been healthy and that has not been as often as perhaps the Padres or baseball fans like this season, probably his most dominant player, but Votto turning out the clock and bring his team back to the playoffs, that would pay huge dividends. And they also have a rookie of the year candidate and Jonathan India too. I mean, who would have ever thought there's a chance we'll see another divisional battle between Joey Votto and Buster Posey. Like <laughs> that's just not something I would have expected. And Votto has been tearing it up. And this is someone who I liked when he was really good. I did. But when I've been looking at his stats the past couple of years, he fell off. I thought he was a good defensive uh, picker and whatnot, but I just, it's crazy. He's just killing the ball out of nowhere. And it's not really something that was a part of his career's forte, really. Like he was more of a contact with the occasional big, big shot. And now he's just mashing. But as for the wild card, I think it's the Reds taking it. I think this is the end. I think the Padres are going to go down and I think the Reds will take a good easy control reasoning for it the Padres can't hit without Fernando Tatis like Tatis is very good and the rest of their team should be good at hitting but in their last 13 games they have a 187 batting average a 333 slugging and their team ERA is 552 in that span while I love their pitching staff their pitching staff has the potential to be amazing they're just not that great, and it's kind of showing. The biggest thing for the Padres to me is the fact that they can't handle their division's Baltimore Orioles. The Diamondbacks, who are actually almost as bad, have what, 43 wins this year? Seven of them are against the Padres. <laughs> That's insane. That can't happen if you're going to build this super roster and not succeed that that's why you're not succeeding definitely have to do a better job against the bottom feeders than that i didn't realize that their record was so poor against arizona but certainly another explanation for why the reds have been able to gain ground and now make ground of their own as they lead that second wild card spot a couple weeks ago uh the cubs took two out of three from cincinnati and it was just last week maybe and i'm like there's no way cincinnati's going to the playoffs but I wasn't really paying attention, honestly, to how bad San Diego has been. Uh, over the last 30 days, they are 23rd in baseball with a 686 team OPS. Uh, the pitching has been decent over that stretch, ninth best ERA in baseball at 374. But there's been injuries to some key guys in the rotation. I know Darvish has been hurt. Uh, they have some concerns. They've been fading fast. They're two and eight in their last 10 games. It's kind of hard to pick the Padres to come ahead for that second spot at this point. 
think Cincinnati probably makes more sense uh, just the way they've been playing better baseball. And they have, another, I know, an easier schedule down the stretch the rest of the season as well. You guys are making me rethink about the NL wildcard race and pretty much on second guessing it now. It does seem like the Reds are kind of the breadwinners here over the Padre, over the Padres. And you look at their rotation. This is a rotation that was supposed to rival the Dodgers at the beginning of the season. There was so much hype. And even still, you look at the game yesterday of the Dodgers and Padres going to 16 innings. And we saw Corey Kniebel uh, bought intentionally. So Carantini to go to third, and that way he wouldn't get the signs. Of course, Fernando Tatis Jr. hits a game-tying two-run homer in the 15th inning, only for the Dodgers to win that one. And if that does not summarize the Padres' season in a nutshell, I don't know what does, because they seem like they are so close to the verge of contention at times, so close to being this powerhouse team, that they're the third-best team in the NLS, and they might not even make the playoffs this year. I'll say this, and I'll keep it short. Next year as much as this is kind of crazy to say, I really think they could win that division. They're assuming they're healthy. Their pitching staff is as good as the Dodgers. And you're forgetting they're going to get Mike Clevenger back, who was looking really good before he did all that stupid stuff in the COVID season. Not only Clevenger coming back, hopefully maybe Chris Paddock can turn it around and top pitching prospect uh, Mackenzie Gore. I know he recently started pitching again at the minor leagues. Maybe he's help on the way at some point too. get Snell, Darvish healthy. It, it should be a super team in San Diego. Hopefully get Tatis healthy for a whole season as well, too. I know it's been a kind of a slew of injuries over the course of this season, but they're not the window isn't closing on them and they definitely kind of went all in but the, it's a long window they, they went in so aggressively but they've got a few more years to get it done uh definitely would be disappointing to not have a playoff appearance at least in this season with all the talent that they brought in but stuff happens san francisco has been tremendous uh so certainly a possibility a likelihood perhaps even right now that we don't see san diego in the playoffs even looking at their offense, too, this is a team that should be a powerhouse in that right as well because they have Eric Hosmer, who was starting to turn back the clock at least early this season. Even Myers was having a pretty good last couple of seasons. You have Conor Worf, who's a great new player. You have other guys, too. You have uh, even replacement players who are kind of like Jerson Profar or Kim at shortstop. He, they, these guys were highlighted to be some of the better players. Trent Grisham another name to throw out there. This is a team that should be a powerhouse on both ends, powerhouse in the both end too, but it's just been injuries this year. And that's really just a concern of baseball, all the best players getting injured. We got Mike Trout and Mookie Betts and Ronald Cunha Jr. is kind of just survival of the fittest at this point. Yeah, injuries have really been a bug for them, but I, I really have high hopes for them. And like you were saying about the window, they have control over Snell and Dart, I think Dartish. And the big one At least one is a couple years. They're losing Hosmer's contract, I'm pretty sure at least. And I know you said he's improving and all, but. Yeah, have, I know it's that contract, yeah. They, they, they have a massive payment for him. Like having that money back in their pockets will hopefully allow them to go get some more consistent bats. Will Myers, I loved him when he was on the Rays, very mad when we traded him. Then he get, went out to San Diego and was great for one season, making me more mad. And now he's trash, so it's okay. But he's not. It's 
he's an average MLB player. And it seems like the Rays are very good at analyzing that because they did the same thing with Snell, who as a Rays fan, I knew he was not like what he was in the playoffs. He had that Cy Young season. He has the potential to keep it for a season. He really does. But he's not like that. He just doesn't do that. He's not that consistent. And he really can be all over the place with the ball. Perhaps a bit overrated himself, Blake Snell. Definitely got that Cy Young reputation. It hasn't really lived up to it in the years since. Uh, I, I was kind of mad as a Cubs fan when my team traded you Darvish. We didn't get as good at prospects as the Rays returned for uh, for Blake Snell. But yeah, I guess Darvish has had his struggles this year as well, too. Hasn't hasn't been quite as dominant as he was, certainly last season for the Cubs. But you got to think at some point, uh, things going to work out for San Diego. Perhaps not this season, but we'll still like them in 2022 to compete for that division. It's going to be among the favorites, but hey, we might have to pay San Diego, or not San Diego, sorry, San Francisco, some respect in that conversation next year as well. Yep. Not exactly sure what their free agency departures look like. I know it's probably still going to be a, a bunch of nobodies kind of coming together to be something. I know we've talked a lot about the NL wildcard race, but the AL wildcard race is also very exciting. And once again, this goes back to the Yankees on their 11-game streak that they have right now and claiming the first spot in the wild card. They would be the home team right now. And this is a team that I was really saying for the first three or four months of the season, I did not think this team was going to make the playoffs with the way they were playing because they just kept, even when they were on win streaks, they would be able to win two out of three, but they weren't able to sweep. And that was kind of the big issue for them. Or they would be ahead of the games a lot of time, but then the bullpen would fall apart. And most notably, of course, Aroldis Chapman would fall apart. This is still a team that needs to convince me over the next month or so of the season, but they're looking more and more like a playoff team. And I will say, as much as I want the Yankees to overtake the race for the vision, I would love to see Cole versus Sale in a wild card game between these two teams. It would be one of the most exciting wild card games we've ever seen. Or like, yeah, we've ever seen. I, it, it, assuming they're both at their best, which sales looked pretty darn good so far, it's probably the two best by arm in baseball, arguably. Like, they're must-watch TV when they pitch. They're unparalleled in their strikeout numbers and their filth. Like, just pinpoint accuracy and fooling hitters like no tomorrow. But the issue is Boston now has their ace back and has seemed to – be overly reliant upon it. Like they're they're all their whole bullpen all or staff all year was overperforming in my eyes. The, the whole team was overperforming in my eyes, but they're pitching specifically. And now it's coming back down to earth. It's five seven five five seven ERA in their last twenty five. Like a one five zero whip in that span. It's their pitching is not that special anywhere either. It's. They're relying on an old Matt Barnes. It's not working out too well. They didn't go out and do anything at the deadline to reassure that staff. They were just banking on sale. And while it will work every five days, same is true with Cole, it's just not enough. And I think there's definitely a possibility Boston could fall entirely out of this wild card race. Oakland really fell off in the past 10 games, and they have a pretty hard schedule coming up. But they could bounce back. Missing Ramon Lariano does hurt. 
Seattle's lurking, but Seattle's not that good. I almost do feel like it's still going to be Boston by default, perhaps, uh, but they've not looked very good at all as of late the last month or so. And it's come at a terrible time with the Yankees surging like they have been, uh, then flip-flopping in the division very, very quickly. Um, Blue Jays fading, too. I would have thought they may be more competitive in that race, but not a whole lot to talk about in Toronto. The collapse is kind of the more interesting angle looking at Boston, and there really isn't much to be excited within that pitching staff to begin with outside of Chris Sale, for sure, as we mentioned, that would be amazing seeing him versus Cole in the wild card game. Uh, just the Yankees versus Red Sox in general in that game, I think would be very exciting. Must watch TV. Um, looking like that'll probably be what it ends up being. Um, so that'll be something awesome. But I think the Yankees looking like a much stronger team than Boston, as we expected going into the year. The bats were really strong for Boston uh, to start the season. They haven't been terrible as of late, but they've certainly cooled off. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, and Xander Bogarts were all playing amazingly, as they should to start the season. Those are great hitters, but they were playing better, especially J.D. Martinez had a really down 2020 and had just completely flipped it around this season, and those guys have kind of fallen back a little bit down to earth. So that offense hasn't looked as great as it did in the first half. Couple that with the bullpen collapsing, and Boston continues to fall in the standings. Perhaps Oakland could push them for that second card spot. It's it's not out of the, the realm of possibility. A little bit more about how the Red Sox offense has fallen apart. Just looking at Martinez specifically, he was having a torrid April and May start to the season. But since the All-Star break, he's just slashing 242 with a – 291 on base percentage. And this is ridiculous for Martinez because he's someone who really, since he turned around the Tigers, he's been a near 300 hitter. So to be batting 242, I know that batting average is overrated. That's pretty low for him. But with the real kicker is that on base percentage under 300. And that's just a huge no-no for any player, especially of Martinez's caliber. Then you look at, of course, Devers and Bogarts. These were two players who looked like they were going to be top five in the AL MVP this year, and rightly so, because they are some of the most talented left side of the infield players in all of baseball. But really, since that all-star break, too, they just fell off a cliff. Yeah, I'd like to say those three guys are professional hitters, and you can typically rely on them putting up 300-level numbers consistently. But... Martinez is slowly creeping up there in age. He'll probably linger around for quite a while, though, I bet. And the other two I really am fond of. I, I like them both a lot. It's just they were doing really well, and they just had to come back down a little bit, a little bit, slowly but surely, and then starting to see that. But I think I, I kind of want to hear what you guys have to say about this team because they're just – they're so bland. The, the, the Mariners are just like yeah. – I, I don't know. There's nothing crazy going on over there at all. And they're 9-3 and three in their last 12. They, they have not met league averages in batting average, on-base percentage, uh, on-base plus slugging percentage, or ERA in that span. And they're winning three-fourths of their games somehow. I, I just don't get that. They actually have a negative run differential. They are 56 runs in the red there. I, I think their manager got asked about it recently, and he said, yeah, we'll check our fun differential, was, was I believe what he said. I, I got this right. exchange like via Twitter, so I didn't know if I had it exactly right. But 
Yeah, I don't know how they are like six, seven games uh, over – no, more than that. They're nine games over 500. It's 69 and 58 in that wild card race. Uh, but I wouldn't really expect the Mariners to surge at the end of the season. If anything, it looks like they should go in the opposite direction given that run differential, suggesting maybe they've been a bit lucky to be where they are. There's not really that much star caliber in their lineup or in their rotation either. You have a whole lot of prospect potential, guys like Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert on, on the pitching side, uh, Kelnick being a hitter, outfielder. But it's a, that team, I think, is a few years away from true contention. Um, not, not really expecting them to sneak into the playoffs here at the end of the year. Signs are definitely not looking up for the Mariners, although they did just sweep the A's, which is pretty impressive. I know our fellow... Seville member and Ben Rossi would probably not be the most happiest of person about that. But nevertheless, this is a team that does not look very good on paper. Of course, they do have Kyle Seager somehow having one of his best seasons in his career. He needs two more homers to have his highest total, which would be 31. And he's also been elite since 2011. So that's pretty impressive. Mitch Hanniger, who is out really with injury for the last couple seasons, turning back the clock. He is 29 homers. Luis Torrens, new player for the Mariners, a newish player for the Mariners, is 15 homers. So they have some sneaky guys in there, but you're right. They don't – look at their other parts of the offense, J.P. Crawford, Abraham Toro. Sure, they're, they're good guys, but just comparing to Yankees, Red Sox, A's, they don't have that offensive firepower. They certainly don't have it with their pitching too. And I think you could really easily throw the Blue Jays in there. If not being, if they were the, in the Central, they would win the Central. I'm confident in that. It, maybe not, actually. But it would be a good division between them and the White Sox. Oh, I forgot about the White Sox. I was like, yeah, for sure. But they would be second place, most definitely. Yeah, no. Um, but here's the thing. Their run differential is astronomical. It's plus 116. That's better than every other team in contention for a wild card. It's only nine back from the White Sox. And they're four and eight in their last two weeks. Like, they're just not really – they must score a ton because they're pitching – even their pitching's improving. In their last six games, they have a one eight nine ERA. It, it strictly has to be from the fact that they're in the AL East, which is just a dominant – powerhouse this year like it always is and the NL West same way it it's just weird in baseball how especially now I, I don't remember this much growing up the NL East or the NL West and the AL East are just moons above the NL Central the NL East and the AL Central all the power is on the coast right now, for sure. There's there's some pretty dreadful divisions in the middle of the country. That's just, I guess, the population clusters on the on the coast is just a concentration of talent that we're not getting out here in the heartland of America. Uh, but well, I, Adam, I know you're at least East Coast based, so uh, good for you for making it into the the good side of America. Maxwell, where are you based? I'm in Tallahassee, so. You're east, yeah. You're you're in that power corridor out in out in Kentucky. I'm left in the cold here. We don't have much competitiveness. That is kind of wild how the shift is like that. And and bringing up run differential too. Would you all believe me if I said that Toronto has a run differential that is double both Boston and New York? I did see that before I came to this show, and yeah, no, it it's pretty remarkable. And I, you have to believe with 
I would even say that the AL Cy Young Award race has started to open up a little bit because Cole had a pretty bad month of June, and he didn't have the best July either. He's starting to kick it back up in August, but it wasn't like the first couple months. And Lynn's kind of on the border of qualifying for innings in the league, and he should be able to by the end of the season, but he has a much lower ERA than Cole by more than half a run. Robbie Ray now has a lower ERA than Cole and has more strikeouts than him. I would even dare say that the Blue Jays are going to make the playoffs somehow if they're able to get that wildcard spot. Could Robbie Ray win the NL? I mean, excuse me, win the AL Cy Underworld? That'd be that'd be truly something. If they can hop on his back and get carried into the playoffs, maybe with Vladdy on on his side too. There's definitely the argument. Now, I do want to point out, Robbie Ray has Garrett Cole beat by one strikeout, and he's done it in. 10, 10 point or 10 and a third more innings. I, I, I would just get so mad if I had to say a Yankee's going to win this, let alone a Yankee pitcher. But it's kind of hard not to say Cole. So I'm going to say Lance Lynn, just throwing it out there. Lynn has the best ERA in baseball or in American League. He's got at 2.2, he's got basically 10 innings less than Ray or no, 20 innings less than Ray, then 10 less than Cole. His whip is right around, they all hover right around one with Cole being the only one below it. The war is interesting though, because uh, Ray has pitched the most, so he should have the highest one, and he does at five and a half. Cole has a 4.9 and Lynn has a five. So this is like a real three-headed dragon race that really could go any which way. I think I just want to say though, is it just me or do these like shockingly low innings pitched for a Cy Young candidate? It does seem pretty low. I mean, we got like 30-ish games left, 30, 40 games, something like that. So I get a couple more turns through the rotation, but it seems low. And yeah, definitely I think that around baseball, just what we've seen that trend year after year, less guys getting to 200 innings or really even close to that, like 180 is the new 200 these days. And especially coming off the pandemic short in 2020 season. I know people really being careful with those uh, pitcher assets. Don't want anybody to double, triple their workload from last season and risk injury. But I mean, these guys are workhorses who you can give the ball to and, and expect to get close to 200 innings. Maybe not Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray still ate a whole lot of innings, even when he wasn't like a Cy Young candidate. So maybe him too, but yeah, Cole and Lynn, especially inning eaters, uh, the last of, of a dying breed and those starting pitchers who can really just go out and give you seven, eight innings on any given night. I will say about Garrett Cole, the only reason why he doesn't have as many strikeouts as Ray, although he should eclipse that mark sooner rather than later is because he was on the COVID IL, which essentially cost him two starts. And that's really the difference between maybe 190 innings for him or 200, which he still can maybe reach without seven, eight-ish more starts left in the season. So it, it's possible, but I think that's kind of the reason why. I know that MLB and ESPN love Shohei Otani, and well-deservedly so, perhaps a little bit too much, I would dare say. And I think that's kind of why that we're putting him in the AL Cy Underworld race, because I don't think he should win it. I think he has the strikeout numbers, of course, but I think because of that small innings limit that's kind of compared to the other members, Maybe that's kind of the secret reason why he's getting more consideration. 
Well, I'll say if it weren't for him getting knocked around by the Orioles of all teams, he had been going nuts since the beginning of the summer, really. He had some really bad outings early in the season where he didn't even go like three innings, let alone that. And he would just, he had a couple of those games where you just screw your ERA. Like I remember middle school, I gave a game, I had a game where I gave up six runs and got one out. Forever screwed up my career ERA in high school, but that's neither here nor there. I, I just think Otani really is nasty, and he has the potential to become a Cy Young. It's just not this year, and I really think they should just give two to the NL. I I mean, they could do that. I, I would argue Otani doesn't need the Cy Young because he's just going to be the MVP anyways, and that's like with his pitching baked into that, just all the value that he provides, although he could be MVP off his bat alone, but just the pitching on top of that uh, and, you know, running the bases, uh, playing, playing the outfield cannon of an arm out there as well. He's does it all. He is a modern day Babe Ruth and perhaps, and then some uh, probably maybe not the greatest player of all time. That's another conversation. Love Otani going to be the MVP. Uh, I guess let one of these other guys be the Cy Young. He doesn't need to win all the awards. I actually saw this great article about him recently. Oh, is Otani having the greatest season of all time? If you're talking about hitting and pinching as a combo, then yes, of course. It's, it's well beyond Babe Ruth at this point by a large margin. And I would even say that my favorite Otani stat is that he actually, with one more stolen base, become the first angel to have a 40-20 season, which even Trout did not do, which is pretty insane to think about because we all know Trout that he was a 30-30 player, but he was never a 40-20 player, which is pretty interesting because the stolen bases start to fall after that. That being said, he is still incredible. He has been one of the best pitchers really since the All-Star break, and I'm glad that you brought up that point, Matt Swell. It's just not as many innings, and if he's always going to be a two-way player, it's going to be very difficult for him to win a Scion because you do need a lot of innings for that. And somehow the Angels are still bad. Of course, they miss Trout right now, but it's, they just can't get anything right when it comes to building around those two right now, it seems. You just always have, like, one of the very best players in baseball and are still, like, just vanilla otherwise and around 500, not able to get it done. It's a shame not to see some of those most talented guys in baseball. Trout especially, just because it's been for like a decade now. I just haven't seen him in the playoffs but one time, and it was a first-round exit. Haven't seen Otani, not going to see him this year. Hopefully, maybe start to figure something out next year. I know they have the Pujols money off the books now, so that should help at least. But do something, Anaheim. I actually did hear the Angels are maybe considering getting Scherzer in the offseason. That would be pretty cool, but – Knowing the Angels, they'll find a way where another team will outpay them and they'll find a way to not have enough pitching as per usual. It'll be interesting to see. And I really did want to include the Angels and perhaps even the Indians to that wild card mix. But at this point, they're too far gone. We even have the Blue Jays, who we love and we've talked about the run differential. They're kind of on the border. They they're still have a lot of time left. They're four and a half games out, but it's going to be crunch time for them. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like the Angels just love buying themselves some hitters that are just not that good anymore with Upton, Simmons. Simmons was more of a defensive asset. Pujols, Pujols. I've never yeah. seen a career just completely turn around like that. He had like two good years and then just faded quickly. What about Miguel Cabrera? 
Miguel Cabrera is beginning <laughs> his fade right now. <laughs> I it's just it's it is very sad to see. And I always tell my non-baseball friends up here, always say Trout's the goat. Don't say Babe Ruth. We're not living in the twenties. Say Trout. He just needs a little bit of postseason to back that up, and it's hard to argue otherwise. I'd say. Yeah, I almost got to, like, get this man to another team and let him just, like, get a couple end-of-the-career rings or something, go out, like, even, like, a 42-year-old Mike Trout sign with the best team in baseball and just do, like, a Warriors championship run kind of deal. Um, but, yeah, he's got to get a little bit of hardware for that GOAT argument, I would say. But that's my answer, too, when anybody asks me. I, I say Mike Trout. Even with the injuries in the past few years, I would say the same thing. He's still the GOAT. It'll be very cool to see what – draft pits have both him and Otani for next season. Hopefully by the next podcast that we have, maybe Trap will be back healthy in an Angels uniform. But for now, from Maxwell, from Henry, I, I'm Adam Cohen, and thank you all for tuning into Exit Vivo on your Thursday evening. And be sure to join us next week, next time on the Exit Vivo podcast. <laughs>